Welcome to the ninth Amazing Race 29 recap episode of URT number the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is a Canadian who will be too busy to podcast with me next week because he's taking down the bad guys in real life, Logan Saunders. Morning. Good morning and what an episode for you to end the season on. My god. We get Gangnam style or well the Gangnam district in Seoul. I mean maybe we get South Korea in general and a Street Fighter task. Street Fighter. For those who don't know, my blog for that people are familiar with for The Amazing Race, it started out as having equal content and The Ultimate Fighter, The Amazing Race, and Street Fighter. I had to rank the Street Fighter characters, much like ranking the episodes and seasons of Amazing Race. It's not even a joke. Don't kid yourself, no one's read your blog. <laughs> Actually, I just got some hate mail on my blog for one of the Ultimate Fighter seasons I recapped about five years ago. <laughs> and it wasn't Alejandro. <laughs> so, previously five teams raced to the Vietnamese countryside. At the roadblock, Becker and Floyd and Matt and Redmond pulled ahead as the heat intensified. Tara and Joey battled back after being saved by a non-elimination leg and an actually slightly difficult speed bump. Matt and Redmond won another leg. But it was Becker and Floyd who were eliminated after Floyd succumbed to heat stroke. I don't think Redmond won another leg. Seems like he still has the same number of legs as before. Oh good, we're going straight for leg puns. I think we've got a sprinkle in there. This is this is our last licks. It's the joke is on its last legs. <laughs> and yeah, apparently that speed bump did take about an hour. It was it's the toughest speed bump of all time. Of all time. Which arguably isn't saying much, but... But still, it's still notable. It's better than sitting on a frozen ice chair for ten minutes. How dare you? I will not hear a bad word be said about the ice chair. <laughs> Mainly because I'm usually the one saying the bad words about it. And we get a Travelocity, another Travelocity app plug to start the episode. Yeah, no one cares. No one cares? Red Redmond, Red Redmond seemed to really care. They were really engaged. They were having a fun time with it. If Scott and Brooke still aren't allowed a, um, a leg prize, I'm sorry, I'm not not even advocating Travelocity's app being advertised. <laughs> so teams must now fly to Seoul, South Korea, and head to Gangnam to find their next clue. Did you hear the way that Redman said Seoul? He said it as Saul, as in, like, Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad. Redmond is Heisenberg confirmed. Yes. I You would think it would be Matt because of the whole, you know snowboarder Colorado thing, but no, it's it's Redmond. He has to pay for the medical bills with his leg somehow. The whole meth business. Yes. <laughs> and this is where we start getting what I would call the Brooke and Scott winners episode. There was a lot of content pointing towards Brooke and Scott winning the season, and, you know, I'm down for it. You mean London and Logan didn't have winners' quotes? No, but at one point in this episode, London and Logan did commit one of the one of your rules for a, for a winners' edit, which is a team being talked about in the third person, in a positive fashion. When London started talking at the kimchi task about how Brooke and Scott are fun to watch, ah, just putting it out there, they are finally sprinkling the Brooke and Scott might be winners all over this, and I am down for that. Purely for the casual fan hatred. So it starts out with Matt and Redmond saying that Tara and Joey are the only team to beat them. 
and this is the round to get a leg up on them. Stealing and choke directly from Chad Crittenden of Survivor Vanuatu. And it's still it's still that storyline of everybody wanting to beat Tara and Joey is very much alive in this round. Although, give Tara a video game to play and maybe the, the field is slightly leveled. <laughs> it's like everybody is picking on... Picking on old people as much as uh, Brendan and Rachel. It is rude. <laughs> and Brooke and Scott might actually be able to do this because they are underdogs. Matt Redmond won the previous leg by two hours. Yeah, they kicked ass and took names. Not so much this round. <laughs> I was not expecting Matt and Redmond to have the biggest lead between first and second of the season. Yeah, it wasn't even close. I guess when everyone else is almost going to die of dehydration, then I guess it makes sense. And Matt and Redmond do decide to get the subway to Gangnam instead of a taxi, because they were advised by many people on the plane that this would be the faster route. Did they go to the same university as an Amazing Race 4? Because they briefly mentioned the university stop, but I couldn't tell but wonder if it was the 228 uh, uh, stop uh, for the Clue Box 25 seasons earlier. I'm sure there's multiple universities in Seoul since it's one of the largest cities in the world. But the fact that it was a subway stop at a university made me wonder if it was the exact same stop and that Matt and Redmond wanted to ride the subway just for just for nostalgia's sake. It's uh, the Seoul National University Station that Amazing Race 4 went to. Might have been a different university. I don't know. I'm not t- I don't study I don't study the universities in Seoul that closely. Really? I thought you did. Yeah, it's it might be one of my future hobbies, but it's just not a priority at the moment. I should really change things up. You are indeed a game changer. Yes. And then Tara and Joey mentioned door-to-door service with their taxi. Well, I, I couldn't even get that comparison. Well, the, you don't have to walk anywhere. That's the difference. Oh, they were making a reference to the Stonetown task. Okay. So I was wondering, why? Are they, well, what are they talking about? And we didn't even get an, air, an airport scene this episode. I think it's the record for... They didn't even show the airport. All they did was just... They didn't even show teams arriving at the airport either. It was just, we cut from cab to plane landing. I don't think they've ever gone to that extreme before. Phil sort of brushed it off of, oh yeah, all the teams are on the same flight. Have fun. Yeah, usually, like I know they've, well, ever since, what, season... 15 or 16, they, they cut away to the team's uh, landing a lot more, but at least we'll see a team arriving at the airport, or you see the airport, or you see them getting into seats on the plane. None of that. Just an exterior shot of the plane, and that was it. Also, you have to bear in mind that Matt and Redmond left at 11.57pm, and I don't think they landed till about 5pm in Seoul. So it was another long day for them. Very long day. Because Brooke and Scott were at 1.48, Tara and Joey at 2.16, and London and Logan at 2.26. But yeah, it was another really long day, and I know Scott's talked about this, about how actually the race really truncates all of the travel into like two seconds when it's upwards of 24 hours normally. Yeah, it's, it's long. I've done the 30 hours from Spain to Cuba before in transit, and yeah, it's... It's not, and getting held up in the Cuban airport for two hours after I landed. A very, very, very long stretch. And getting interrogated for the inappropriate jokes you made about Cuba on this podcast. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
Brooke surprisingly is stressed in the taxi, and Scott Scott tells us to remind Brooke that patience is a virtue. And Brooke gives us the best eye roll ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I'm good. still waiting for him to use his secret express pass. Can he use it in the final leg? I think he can. Man, he really is just going to pull it out to get to the finish line. Phil wishes that Logan would pull it out at the finish line, but that's a whole other story. I mean, all I had in my notes for the sort of pre-gangnam bit was just, Brooke and Scott, patience is a virtue, Brooke's eye roll is awesome. There's not a lot more that I really needed to say. So, we get to the Gangnam District uh, clue, and it's full-on K-pop. My god. Do you know how hard the K-pop groups train? It's ridiculous what their schedule is. It's like 18 hours a day for six and a half days a week. They get like two hours off to go to church, and that's about it. To Korean church, where um, where the songs that they sing there are also K-pop songs, so they really don't get a break from it. And um, isn't there a K-pop group that has like 100 and odd members as well? A whole true. Uh, well, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure there's got to be conflict in that group somewhere. I think there is one that is like upwards of 100 members. Could you imagine if the, if there was a K-pop reality show with making the band? And it's, and it's P. Diddy's that he's trying to get a 100-person group together? How do you cut confessionals that way? How do you shut down the studio? Do you know how big the studio would have to be? Or I guess if it's South Korea, then it would just be really, really cramped. But still... Are they gonna go to you know go to Queens and get and get P Diddy a sugar cookie or sorry I guess Sai would probably host the Korean version so they probably have to get him a sugar cookie and then feed it to a horse. It's the only way that uh, London and Logan would get less of an edit is if there were about a hundred people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're having a tough enough time when it started out with twenty-two people. It took it. I mean, we're down to eight, and we're just starting to get to know them. And teams must now head to the Hanyang University gym and search inside for their next clue. In the the worst hiding of a task, maybe ever. <laughs> Let's put the clue box in front of these massive cups and no one will look around to see what the task might be. I guess they don't really care too much when it's a double roadblock episode. It's not like you have to figure out who has to do it when both teammates have to do a roadblock. Yeah, but nobody knew that it was a double roadblock episode. Unless you're actually watching the trailers like I was. Right. And the roadblock is who stacks up. So in this roadblock, one team member must learn a sports stacking sequence and perform it in under seven seconds to get their next clue. The record is less than two seconds. I saw a lot of comparisons of this type of leg to the Japanese legs of uh, Amazing Race in past, which I know you've hate, you've moaned about a lot. And I can't see the similarity, honestly, because these things are very authentically Korean. Yeah, this is them. I mean, they were in the Gangnam's district. It's not like they're just catering to a random hit song from ten years ago. This is, you know, there is a place called the Gangnam district, and it's and Koreans love their K-pop. I know this from my Korean friends. <laughs> and also, Korea loves video games. Yes, esports. My God, League. If you Look up League of Legends. Pretty much half of the top players are from South Korea, if not more. We will get to this, but we are both quite big video gamers. Yes, me especially. (laughs) Yeah, you especially. But yeah, I think we might have some opinions on um, 
I'm certain quotes from that task fairly soon. Yes, from what some of the racers said. We they may or may not be roasted by the end of the, this podcast. If, if you're a fan of uh, of Tyra, especially, you could switch off now. <laughs> it's not going to end well. But it's Joey, Brooke, Logan, and Redmond doing the sports stacking roadblock. I love how excited Brooke was going into the task. She's like. I can do this. I, I know I can do this one. I, I'm going to do the roadblock. I've done it before. <laughs> My cousin. Family dinners. <laughs> and apparently Brooke is going to do as a rendition of the Cup song at some point as well from Pitch Perfect. Imagine the next family dinner, though. Brooke's going to be awfully competitive with that cousin. That cousin's going to be all frantic trying to beat her time on the show, the 6.9 seconds. And then they're just going to want to one-up each other. Because Brooke's going to be like, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I, I bet you I can do it under five seconds. And then they become professionals, and they represent the American team to take on the Koreans uh, at the Olympics uh, in 2020. And fun fact, Scott has just invested in Street Fighter V because he's beaten a professional. He just has a recording (laughs) of Brooke shouting, Come on, Scotty, you can do it! (laughs) Uh, And Brooke is awesome with the kids as well. Yeah, Tara was really complimenting them. I thought, it's crazy though, it seemed like it was in fast motion in the edit, but no, their hands moved that quickly. That is genuinely how quick people are at this sort of thing. Yeah, it's like, how do you move your hands that that fast? You think that, one, like, if you want, if there is a Korean person who wanted to become a boxer, start with cup stacking to get the quick hands, and then transition into martial arts, and my god, imagine dodging those those hands uh, in the ring, you wouldn't stand a chance. And I guess that if we were doing this leg and we knew all the tasks, that I would have to do this roadblock. Yes, if I knew there was going to be Street Fighter coming up, you would definitely be doing cup stacking. Can you imagine your face if you if we got to the roadblock and I had to do a Street Fighter one? I probably would have just done it for you anyways, and we would have had to take a four-hour penalty. And it would have been totally worth it. Yes. <laughs> I can handle being eliminated in the penultimate leg, Phil. <laughs> and we still would have beaten Tara and Joey. Yes, I would have. I, I could could have beaten Tara in that task blindfolded, which I know is not saying much. And it's at this point where Matt and Redmond just step in wet cement. Yeah, they're not they're not catching a break, except well, I mean, except for the break in Redmond's leg. But overall, they're not they're not catching a break. That's the cherry on top of the pretty poo-poo day that they were having. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't think that missing that transfer by seconds did them in. It's just that the evening traffic was not what they anticipated it to be. If it was middle of the day, I think Red, Matt Redmond would have been the faster team. It was 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but the fact that it was already dark when teams landed, that it was probably... Probably with the heat of the the heart of the going through traffic uh, after landing was probably six or seven o'clock in the evening. So they still, even though the plane landed at five, they still would have to clear through customs, and I'm sure it was a long it was a long drive to Seoul from the from the airport. And this is also the first night leg that we've had as a penultimate leg in ages. The last one I can remember is probably seventeen. He's raced twelve. Oh, seventeen had one too. Yeah, seventeen technically ended up being a night leg. Right. Well, <laughs> and that was also Korea. It was, although a little bit further north. Little, yeah, Camp Casey. That's as far north as an American production team is ever going to get. 
nobody thought they were going to go to Zimbabwe. That's true. It's only uh, there's only barriers to be broken for season thirty, I guess. Yeah, Amazing Race thirty going to North Korea confirmed. I mean, there's still a year for uh, you know to get the two sides unified. Can't be that tough. They just haven't been putting the effort in. They need to talk to each other. <laughs> Did you know that the most endangered animals in the world live along the Korean border? Because there's so much military there, and it's so protected that the most endangered species don't have to worry. Because nobody's going to cross in that zone. Not yet. We're coming for you, endangered species. <laughs> also, I, I think another reason Matt and Redmond might have... Um have taken the subway instead of the taxis because there are some taxis in South Korea that drive people across the border and kidnap them. Well, look at it. I mean, if there's a camera crew with them, I have my doubts it's going to happen, but uh, it did happen, almost happened to uh, David and Chef and the clowns when they shared that same taxi together to uh, rafting Korea when they were driving with the tanks. And they're like, this can't be right. <laughs> And Brooke is the first to get really, really close to the seven-second mark. By the way, when Brooke and Scott first showed up to the task, they cut to the guy with the to that one uh, kid who had the coolest hair I'd ever seen. The one with the longer hair, but not completely long. It was styled in a way that made him look like an 80s uh, martial artist. Logan gets hair envy. That's going to be one of the hints this week. I personally think it would have been great if they had the barrier to be less than six seconds for the task, just to make it that much longer. Given that everyone just about managed it, in fact the fastest time was Joey with 6.872, I'm not sure that they uh, they would have been able to do that. I bet you that would have been a requirement if Amazing Race Canada was there, because they love to have teams take penalties on some of the tasks. So I think we would have had, maybe not six seconds, maybe like 6.4, 6.5. You know, just that extra step above where you know one team is going to quit at the task. Don't be silly. Amazing Race Canada would never leave the country. Yeah, I guess uh, Alberta or Calgary is going to have to take up cup stacking and form their own team. It's wherever they have a large Korean community that they're just going to... Uh... Oh, Vancouver then. <laughs> Richmond. Richmond. I bet you Richmond does have cup stacking. Because Richmond has the highest Asian population of any area outside of Asia. And that is statistically proven for the past several years in a row. And in fact, any time that uh, my boss is at the pharmacy go on vacation or elsewhere, the temporary pharmacist who comes from Vancouver, we've had two people who are Chinese and then three people who are Korean. So yeah, Amazing Race Canada is going to go to Richmond and do a cup stacking task. Mm-hmm. Seems as though they seem to be trying to steal everything from Amazing Race US at the moment. <laughs> they can do it at the night market. Uh, and it is Brooke and Scott who leave first, and Brooke manages to get dead on seven seconds. It's quite impressive. During the task, I wrote down, Brooke is calm? Like, she was coaching herself through it really well. This is the side of Brooke that actually I don't think the editors have let us see very much. I think they're just changing it up so she has like a redemptive edit before, right before the finish line. Exactly what I think. I think this is the redemption episode for Brooke and Scott. And we also have the traditional a team talking about the winners and about how fun they are. Mm-hmm. They certainly have the strongest winners edit of the three teams left. Definitely. Especially after Tara and Joey. Uh, so yeah. 
Did you notice how Brooke said the clue when she read it out after the roadblock as well? Whatever arts and cultural center. <laughs> Make your way to the whatever arts and cultural center. <laughs> it's a Lynn and Alex callback to the Botswana pit stop from Amazing Race Seven, where I think a little Lynn Lynn was like, "My God, howdy, 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 pants, let's go." <laughs> he didn't even attempt to pronounce it. I'm just thinking, Brooke. There goes your redemption edit already. <laughs> <laughs> She should show. It'd be funny if that's what she thought it was called, and the taxi driver drops off, uh, drops them off, and she's like, "Oh, it's the whatever arts and cultural center, Scott." <laughs> I, I also love when she got the clue first, and just how over the top orgasmic reaction she had. <laughs> she was so happy. Yes, good luck, good luck, I did it, good luck, good luck, good luck, I did it. <laughs> and just the way she was even actively pointing at each team. <laughs> you get a clue, you them. get a clue, everybody gets clues! Whoa, we have John Travolta! Um, yes, um, that whole Oprah-style over-the-top reaction to completing a task. <laughs> So Teamsters actually make their way to the Mugiwan Arts and Cultural Centre and search for their next clue. And Joey starts swearing despite young children being around while stacking the cups. Yeah, you can tell that that, that is not the first time Joey has sworn in front of children. I have a feeling that uh, his mindset was at, at parties, like Boston cop drinking parties and stuff, and that's why he was confident with the cup stacking, but it's not turning out the way he wanted it to. Yeah, Joey saw the cups and thought, great, I get to play beer pong. Yes. Olympic Gym, is it the World Series of Beer Pong? By the way, the World Series of Beer Pong is a great documentary. I think it's been like 10 years since they made it. But uh, it's it's a fun one to watch if you ever get the chance. And how hard they, there is. Some people are as hardcore about the World Series of Beer Pong as the Korean kids are about cup stacking. I'm quite surprised Amazing Race has never done a beer pong task, actually. Yeah, maybe next time. They, I think the championship in the documentary was either held in... I think that they were held in Vegas or in Norway. I know Norway does the World Series of Rock, Paper, Scissors. Um, anyways, did you see that one kid jumping in excitement after uh, one of his turns? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he hit the... I wonder if a competitive mark is 2.5 seconds or something like that, or 2 seconds flat. And that's the cutoff to make the. It's the cutoff to make the national team. And it's Tara and Joey who leave second with a time of six point eight seven two. London and Logan leave into third with six point six nine. And Matt and Redmond get a truly diabolically bad driver. Oh, you wanted to go there? I thought you wanted to go to the McDonald's drive-through. But we don't want to give you that. <laughs> You can just tell that Redmond knows full well they're getting eliminated and he just sort of is resigned to it. Yeah. Even Matt later on he said, well, this leg has just started. But just the way he said it, he was not confident in his very own words. He was probably thinking to himself, I really wish Liz and Michael were here for a self-drive leg right now. And when Matt and Redmond do end up getting there, Redmond says that he's not a professional cup stacker. He just does it to impress the ladies. And that is very typical Redmond. But Redmond says that it's a puzzle. He loves puzzles! He loves them so much. He's just, I bet you as he's listening to this podcast, he's doing a slide puzzle right now. 
so please will someone buy Redmond a puzzle box? Yes. That's what we want. That'll, that'll be the roadblock uh, when he comes back for season 32. Semi-fake, semi-real All-Stars. <laughs> well, to be fair, they can't do any worse than fake All-Stars. Uh, I don't know. If they brought back Jet and Cord for a fourth time, and then Globe Charters for a fourth time, and David Connor for a third time, they, and then bring back, I don't know, say, Lisa and Joni, um, John and Scott, they, they can do worse. They can do worse. As much as I actively root against production ever being allowed to do an All-Stars again, because they can't be trusted to do an All-Stars again, maybe bringing back about three or four of the teams from this season wouldn't be a terrible idea. Uh, I don't know. As long as it wasn't, like, Jesse and Francesca. Hey, they brought back Caroline and Jennifer, so you never know. I'm just trying to throw as much shade on people as, as physically possible, because then you have to meet them next week. Yeah, uh, thanks for... I want to make this Tyler Oakley awkward. Anyways, um, so uh, Brooke and Scott show up to the kimchi task, which I don't. I, I when I heard of kimchi, I thought it was going to be some sort of uh, meditation thing that was going to be a knockoff of tai chi, but no, that is not the case. Um, and Brooke is excited again because she says, "Oh my God, we're cooking! We're cooking, Scott! We're going to cook some kimchi." Yep, and this active info requires teams to learn how to make six servings of kimchi and then bury it to begin the fermentation process before receiving your little kimchi along with their next clue. <laughs> oh no, no more face cream. <laughs> face cream from kimchi, I don't want to watch that video. <laughs> and Brooke continues her redemption edit when she says about Tara and Joey, don't say what we're doing out loud, they don't follow instructions. Real men, it's like the Tim the Toolman Taylor, real men don't follow instructions. Or read instructions, I should say. Or need instructions. Tim the Toolman Taylor could just be illiterate and is fighting a way to cover it up uh, during the Home Improvement series. Much like how illiterate uh, his, his buddy uh, Richard Karn is when it comes to comedy or hosting the family feud. And this is also where London starts talking about how awesome Brook and Scott are to watch. And they are. They're so entertaining. Um, yeah, that's all we really get from London Logan, other than when London's eyes pretty much bulge out of her head when she's being uh, uh, hand-fed the kimchi. And then Scott and Brooke with their mildly suggestive uh, kimchi process where Scott tells uh, Brooke to rub it, and then Brooke's like, oh! <laughs> it's not the face cream task. <laughs> And Tara and Joey get two rejections, as do Brooke and Scott, before Tara and Joey are the first team to leave. Yeah, because Tara knows how to cook. So do Brooke and Scott, apparently, but they still leave third. And teams must now find the Seoul Ong E-Stadium to get their next clue. And then Luna and Logan leave in second, with Brooke and Scott in third. After a little bit of bickering, they still don't uh, fall that far behind. You asked it twice, Brooke. How are they already being checked, Scott? Oh, and London said she needed more uh, sauce in the kimchi. So uh, I, I guess they really made it flavorful. You need more sauce in your kimchi. <laughs> and in the taxi ride to the E Stadium, Joey nearly swears at Brooke and Scott and London and Logan being ahead of them. But he stops himself because he realizes he's on camera. <laughs> yeah. Oh, f- <laughs> fiddlesticks. Yeah. <laughs> And Tara nearly licks her dirty arm. 
Imagine she imagine that reaction where she's like, "Oh, there's still there's kimchi on my arm." <laughs> a partner just ate some kimchi on her arm. It's very revolting. And then, yeah, Matt and Radman leaving quite a distinct last. Yes, after getting uh, fisted with kimchi. Yeah, they still have one more chance to catch up, and that is facing video games with Tara. Oh my god. Yeah, this is where anyone who likes Tara and Joey, to a lesser extent, probably skip ahead about 15 minutes. Yes. This is where, as soon as the Street Fighter task appears, uh, this is where the M. Bison cartoon from Street Fighter, the animated series, would be yelling out, Yes, yes, we have a Street Fighter task. (laughs) Let's be abundantly clear. If you put together all the references that we have made over our 139 podcasts together between me and Logan, video games would be number one, 100%. It's probably video games, other TV shows, and that's about it. And this video game task was a bit of a step up from the Nokia N-Gage racing task from Amazing Race Asia 3. So to have a video game task... And then to have a team maybe slightly disparaging about video games isn't going to end well. Not on this podcast. (laughs) So, it's a roadblock again, which is who's ready to take control. And in this roadblock, the team member who sat out the last one must beat a professional Street Fighter player on Street Fighter V to get their next clue. Sorry, go ahead. For every ten rounds that they lose, they'll be given a handicap. Sadly, not the Norwegian route marker. The what? The first handicap is literally a handicap. <laughs> what they should have done was allowed teams to trade it in in exchange for some sort of punishment. So having to complete a complete a Norwegian handicap at the pit stop. Yes. And did you know that there was other handicaps? Uh, as as the t- if they were there for lo- for a longer period of time, like after ten rounds, it's playing with one hand. After twenty rounds, it's being blindfolded. After thirty rounds, you have to play as Dan. Um, the Dan from Street Fighter Four version gets imported into the Street Fighter Five game, which is, I mean, they could have been more generous to the pro and give them, say, Dan from the Street Fighter Alpha series, but that would have that still would have been too powerful. And then after 40 rounds, it's uh, they bring back Shamir, and Shamir gets his uh, revenge, where he gets where the pros know that Shamir can punch or kick them in the balls, but they don't know when it's going to happen. And then whenever it happens, Shamir just uh, starts uh, uh, airing out his frustration. Um, after 50 rounds, uh, Tiny Bubble starts playing as well, where Tiny Bubbles covers up the audio of the game. Um, on, after 60 rounds, they'll have half their screen is covered up with footage from uh, uh, from season 24 of The Amazing Race. And then, I don't know, say after 70 rounds, um, it's while their heads are being shaved. And it just it just keeps going from there. And Scott Scott has some Scott has some video game background. Apparently, he played Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and Nintendo sixty four, which is oddly enough the same system that a couple of my coworkers stopped playing video games with. Yeah, and 
first things first, I have to point out that Tara is two years older than Scott. That's it, eh? She makes it sound like she's some, uh, I don't know, some 80-year-old who's been exposed to video games for the first time, as if she hasn't known a single thing about a game since that, uh, since the Magnavox Odyssey came out. And I fully appreciate that maybe not all families are as video game friendly as mine. (laughs) But, as a child of that era, I would have thought that you would have probably played video games. Yes, because she's, what, 38, right? Yeah, she's 38, Brooke's 36, Scott's 34. Okay, because my my sister is, uh, sister is 36 and she played video games with us. Like, uh, she was, she played a lot of Super Mario Brothers 3. She was addicted to Harvest Moon. In fact, when she lived out on her own, when Harvest Moon 64 came out, she rented a Nintendo 64 for a week and rented Harvest Moon along with it and just finished on Har- Harvest Moon for a week straight. And she's played, like, the PlayStation version, uh, re-rented the GameCube version for her once, and... I don't think she's played any video games really the past uh, several years, but we yeah we play Super Mario Brothers three together and the whole we would we would typically marathon throughout all of Super Mario All Stars about once every two years where we would do, we would do that for a couple of weekends and then uh, the Sims oh she loved the Sims as well she did the, she played the Sims she even got the Sims because uh, uh, the, the Sims three I think she has as well so yeah it's all like Tara is some. Um, uh, just this way past the whole video game era. I mean, my si- sister's pretty much the same age as her, and she played she played enough to know how to use the controller. I fully appreciate that maybe people don't have the gaming pre- pedigree we do, but the fact of the matter is that is a hundred percent fine. But saying stuff like it's going to come down to a video game, I'm too busy getting rid of the bad guys in real life, that is self righteous. I should point out too when she made. I'm going to. I I play against the real bad guys in real life. I should point out in South Korea, it is mandatory. I believe it is mandatory for all men to serve in the Korean military for three years, two, or two two or three years, and it's mandatory. They don't have a choice. Like in the World Baseball Classic, when the South Korea team was in the finals. The only way that some of them were going to have the possibility of receiving an exemption from serving in the military, just the possibility of it, is if they won gold. And they were told that right before the gold medal game. It's just that Koreans are good at everything, is essentially what it is. They can stack cups faster than us, they can play video games better than us, and they have a lot of military experience between all of them. And I fully admit that I would be... I'm not great at games like Street Fighter. I never have been. I am, as you well know, much better at um, Mario Kart. But to disparage someone because of their hobbies and, in the case of these guys, their jobs, because they earn hundreds of thousands of dollars for this. Some of them make millions. Yeah. The guy who Scott was playing against is quite well known for distracting his opponents by taking his shirt off. And is a former world champion. There's a guy who they didn't end up using that is the current world champion of Street Fighter V, I found out. Not Lupe Fiasco? No. There was some pretty decent pedigree here. But to just cast aspersions on people's job choices and that sort of stuff is a little bit... 
a little bit unfortunate when they've had such a good edit so far. Mm-hmm. And I should note that uh, it was funny at the start when Tara first showed up to Tash. She said, I've not played a video game. This should be fun. But she said in the most unenthusiastic way possible, I'm thinking, uh, I don't think it's going to be as fun, even as fun as Tara's making it sound. And it's and she's not selling it too well at the moment. I've not played a video game since 13, she said. London was the one who said, I've never played video games. I have sisters. I was like, that's not an excuse. Sisters play video games. <laughs> exactly. Entire video games that are aimed at the, the female market, but a lot of girls play real games as well. Yes, like a lot of my friends in high school, in fact, people I was closest to in high school were people who had only sisters in their family. And one of them is currently a teacher in Japan for the past few years and knows a whole ton about Japanese culture and the video gaming culture and another friend who dresses up, who does a lot of cosplay. So I I, I think it's just because the people they picked for the season were all very alpha type. Um, not to make a Street Fighter pun there, but uh, I think it's just people that aren't around other people who play video games as much, especially when you see like who makes it to the end of the season, who had to do the strobe block. But uh, I think they're just completely out of the loop when it comes to, to just how popular video games are and the fact that it destroys the film industry now. <laughs> it's more profitable than the... Like, Grand Theft Auto V beat, I think was more successful than any movie that's been released in theaters, other than maybe, like, a birth, The Birth of a Nation, if you uh, account for inflation. Yeah, that's that's the next point I was going to make. The fact of the matter is, in the UK at least, video games is the largest media industry now, by a mile. In Canada, it's our only way to get through the winters. Yeah. In fact, there are actually tax breaks in the UK to try and bring vi- more video game companies here. Edinburgh... In fact, it's around the corner from where my friend Jess, who Logan met, uh, where she used to live, is the offices of Rockstar North. I was about to, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, Rockstar is based out of the UK. Yeah, I walked past there uh, when I went up to see Jess last. <laughs> IDOS, the company who made uh, Tomb Raider, a base somewhere down south. It is a big industry, whether people realise it or not. And yeah. I'm trying not to be an arsehole about this sort of stuff but it's unfortunate for a team that I really like and I still really like Tara and Joey but it's unfortunate for them to get all the sound bites of going video games isn't a real thing it's it's very remember, do you remember the whole thing with Roger Ebert where when Roger Ebert was a complete dick where he said uh, where he said that video games is not a true art form and without ever playing, he never even played people because he, he was writing in a blog or something saying, oh, people are telling me to play this game or this game, but I don't have to. I just know that video games is not real art. <laughs> it's like, have you played Breath of the Wild? Or you know, the Phoenix Wright style games where it's like 80% narrative and only 20% gameplay. You cannot tell me that's not art, especially when many of these games get full on anime adaptations as well, and live-action films, and manga and comic books. (laughs) There's a very good reason why massive, massive actors are now clambering to be a part of series like Call of Duty, which arguably isn't very good, but they're clambering to be a part of them, and that's because 
they are narratively driven a lot of these games. You get the odd one like Mario Kart, which is purely for destroying friendships. But most video games, and most action games especially, are very narratively driven now. And to disparage them on a whim is not fair to both the people involved and the fans of those sort of games, two of which are sitting right here. And, uh, oh yeah, did you? Re- uh, there, I guess there's an extra layer, though, to why Tara and Joey were so pissed off during this task. Did you read about this online? Because I didn't find this out till uh, yesterday. Which bit? Um, apparently, um, the people that, uh, that, that Scott, London, and Matt played against... They let, or especially uh, Scott and London, the pros let them get a feel for the controls at first before starting to attack them. But I guess the pro that Tara played against wouldn't let her get familiar with the controls for one second. I guess he just went straight on the attack. And that's why Joey went really hard after him and why Tara was pissed off right away. Did they not have training mode, though? I don't know. They said that, yeah, I guess... He might have been being very aggressive when they started playing, but there was definitely a training element and because Scott got to say, right, I'm ready to play real matches now. Yeah, maybe like a train mode and then not being able to test the moves. Because that, like, that's, that's standard etiquette when you're over at a friend's house and you're playing a game for the first time is you don't do anything. You just let them get used to the controller for about a minute and then it's like, okay, I'm ready to play. I guess with Tara, that when they started playing the mat, the real match, that... The pro just said, okay, you've done your training. <laughs> now we're going to show you why it's not okay to be a freshman. <laughs> no more, Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> but yeah, I fully understand that this was a high-stress situation. You're competing for the chance to be in the leg that will potentially win you a million dollars that you can take home to both of your respective families. Just try not to be assholes. It did go a bit overboard. Even even for a penultimate leg stress level, it's still gone to that uncomfortable territory where it's like, oh, hopefully they redeem themselves. <laughs> I mean, Scott continually calling his opponent a bitch will never stop being funny because that was funny and the guy found it funny. We need to like clip like Scott's sound bites and like throw it into <laughs> throw it into I don't know some sort some sort of gaming match of a Street Fighter video online. And just throw Scott's sound bites in there. <laughs> On Scott's request, I've already clipped, can't back me into a corner, that's rude, I am a woman. <laughs> because it did make me laugh a lot. But like, that sort of quote is fine. This guy just punched the uh, the soul out of Tara, that's fine. <laughs> Maybe going a bit overboard on the opponent is not. And I, I get that there was probably some taunting we didn't see, and we've not got the whole story because we're just talking about the edited products, but it's not good. Or Scott, when he loses early on, he's like, well, it wasn't a perfect KO. <laughs> and the guy just laughs and, and thinks, you mother. <laughs> I, uh, I was down to 70% damage. I have dishonored my family. <laughs> or just, uh, well, oh yeah, you know that Scott is the only one with some Street Fighter knowledge because... At least he chose Chun-Li. Yeah, he goes straight for Chun-Li. He's like, I want Chun-Li. Is she in this game? And then you have uh, Chun-Li Zhang, I should say. I even know the Street Fighter characters' last names for some of them. Nerd! Uh, And then you have Tara, who played as Karen? Who plays as Karen 
in Street Fighter or London London played as Laura. It's like wow. Why who picks those characters? Although Matt didn't Matt didn't do much better because he chose Zangief. And if you're in a hurry to catch up, choosing the slowest character and out of the original sixteen in a tie with T Hawk and uh and Delcim is not the best choice to make up time and have a quick match. I have it on good authority that Scott's second game his first game is Street Fighter, his second game is Mario Kart, by the way. Oh. Imagine Mike and Rochelle at this task. Exactly. Mike would have crushed it. And Ro mm-hmm. would have probably crushed it as well. Talking of Mike and Ro, this week did mark the two-year anniversary since we spoke to them. Oh, wow. And their one-year anniversary of getting engaged. Of course. M. Bison. It'd be funny if there was, like, cosplay Street Fighter characters at the venue, too. Or if they had Kylie Minogue show up there, just so that it was an inside joke. Or, or, or uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. That would have been great. Just make any subtle references to Street Fighter the movie. Or uh, if the if the you know what really should have happened though is that when Scott Brook and Scott won this leg, I'm amazed that they didn't receive a copy of Street Fighter Five or a, an arcade port to be delivered to one of their house to both their houses. Yeah, I'm quite surprised that they didn't do a tie-in and give them a video game console of some description. The arcade controller. Yeah, to quote uh, the UHF movie, they won nothing. Absolutely nothing. Stupid. You're so stupid. Um, but yeah, they won nothing, which was kind of a bummer. They could have, or, and then last place would have received a copy of Street Fighter, the movie. Um, my favorite thing during the task is how crazy London was using that controller. She was button mashing. Button mashing combined with a seizure while playing. Or, or my favorite was Tara in like a, she was so awkward holding the controller. It was, uh. It reminded me a lot of the Stephen Hawking pose with just the way her arm was uh, jutted out when she was trying to use the controller. So yeah, uh, London and Logan are the first to leave on round 21, thanks to their opponent being blindfolded. Yeah, I won! I won against the guy who was blind. (laughs) And Brooke and Scott leave on round 20 with the guy who wasn't blindfolded. Yes. So who's the real winner here, guys? (laughs) I think it's the one who didn't need the other opponent to be blindfolded to win the task. So teams must now find uh, Gamut Sum, the pit stop for this leg of the race, the last team to check in for the first time all season, will be eliminated. No Final Four twist. No Final Four twist. Although, I'm assuming it's a May in the clue, because Phil said to both Brooke and Scott and uh, London and Logan, one of the teams rather than one of the three teams. Oh, yeah. You know what was funny when they led into commercial break where uh, where Tari gets perfect KO'd and she asks, did I win? It's like, oh man, this is going to be a long night. And the best... Did I get a perfect KO? No, Tari, you didn't. <laughs> and the best part is when they showed her character being in pain on the subway, which is just shy of the pain that Matt and Redmond were in when they were on the subway just an hour earlier. But yeah, Tara says, I didn't come all this way to lose to a gamer, and I'm like, Tara, please stop saying these things. I'm supposed to like you. (laughs) What happened to the past 11 weeks, Tara? We were rooting for you! (laughs) We were all rooting for you. (laughs) Um, 
Of horror, Scott, oh, Scott's other trash talking where he's like, I see you coming at me with that nonsense. Well, since when is a Hadouken or a Shoryuken nonsense or a Dragon Punch or a Tiger Uppercut? I do like that in their respective roadblocks, Brooke and Scott showed why we love both of them individually. It was a tour de force from both of them. <laughs> I was amazed how into it the crowd was. They were into it as much as the Chun-Li shower scene from the Street Fighter anime movie. If you remember, Splatoon had its own esports tournament that had a million dollar prize about two months after it came out. This thing is big business. It is. On the subject of fighting games, by the way, I played the demo of ARMS earlier, which is the Switch fighting game. I am terrible at it. I did all, I did pretty good with it. Uh, I, I played it in Barcelona at the Comic-Con Expo. I am utterly, utterly terrible at it. It sort of reminds me a bit of the mechanics and uh, punch out a bit, so uh, I think I'll, I think I'll do all right with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not playing that against you because you'll beat me. <laughs> I don't play games that you beat me. At. Release the bogus! Oh, I love it how uh, after the 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 kid uh, beats uh, Tar in one of the matches, how he high fives her with the only hand he's allowed to use for the task. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like high five. This is the hand that this is the hand that beat you. Did you hear that um, Tara tried to get her opponent to uh, to let her win by showing a picture of her kids? No, that's something Dave and Connor would do. Yeah, she's like, "Ouch, Tara, please stop." Or Bruno Aiello from Big Brother Canada. I'm just playing this for Dominic, man. This is all I'm playing for. That was a um, a secret scene, apparently. Um. Or oh, and Tara switched to Birdie. Like she goes through the like, Birdie was in the Alpha series, but he started out in Streets of Rage. He's not even really a real Street Fighter character. He was in Streets of Rage. You may as well be picking Mike Hagar with the mustache. <laughs> or not Streets of Rage. Final. Oh damn it! I'm not going to live this one down. Final fight. Final fight. Not Streets of Rage. Do you want to say it again? Because I'll chop it in, and I won't make you look like a dick. No, no, I don't want to. It's it's there for public ridicule. You sure Birdie. you don't want me to do a Franken edit? Because I will. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was even an episode, I watched the entire uh, Street Fighter animated series that the States did uh, about 20 years ago. And there is an episode where they have Mike Hagar and Birdie and the other character for the two, the two uh, Street Fighter Alpha characters who were from Final Fight all in the same episode together. So yeah, Tara leaves on round approximately five bajillion. After she found the Dark Kado. And Matt and Redmond do leave in last. And literally nothing changes in terms of the checking order. We finally get to see Brooke and Scott win a leg, hopefully the first of two leg wins from them. And Phil completely trolls them by making it sound like they're going um, to win a prize, and then he just says, And guess what? You're one of the teams who'll be racing to the finish line for one million dollars. I have some good news. Oh my god, a trip from Traveló. We're just in the final three. <laughs> it's just like, Phil, that's so mean. I know if London and Logan came in first, you would have let them win a prize and preferably asked Logan to take you with him. But that's mean to do that to Broken Scott, especially on the penultimate leg. Penultimate leg is supposed to be the badass trip that everyone competes for. Yeah. It's supposed to be a trip around the world or something. Oh yeah, with the... Uh, with the... Uh... The blind, the blindfolds in the uh, for the handicap. It would have been great if uh, they had a blind U-turn this leg, 
and then Bank and Ashton were there, and then and then Bank was forced to uh, play this roadblock uh, blind as well. Just take a whole new meaning to the blind U-turn. Well, to be fair, that does sound like a Hammerot's non-elimination penalty. <laughs> it's like it's very dodgeball-esque to uh, force the players to be blindfolded when playing uh, video games. Just use your senses. Use your senses, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> and London and Logan are second, with Tara and Joey in third, and Matt and Redmond get a standing ovation, but are the last team to arrive and are eliminated. What's with standing ovations in, in Survivor and Amazing Race lately? Sari gets a standing ovation, Troy Zen gets a standing ovation, Matt and Redmond get a standing ovation. As, as, as Ben Powell pointed out, uh, they came up uh, one leg short. Sari got a standing ovation purely because she actually was not eliminated. Quadruple idled. Quadruple idled. I don't want to get into Survivor Game Changers, but that was bullshit. It's very much like James Rolfe's uh, You Know What's Bullshit uh, series on uh, Cinema Massacre. We're not a Survivor podcast, but that was utter, utter turd. I like a New Zealand version of Survivor a lot more. I'm a lot more invested in that over the past couple weeks. It's really slow. Yeah, but I don't mind slow. You get to know the people, there's no idols. I know, but I, I like what Australian Survivor did, of having lots of people, but actually everyone got a a decent edit, at least. There was no one super purple, apart from Tegan. Oh yeah, I forgot there was a Tegan on Australian Survivor. And actually, it still chugged along at quite a pace. Yes. Oh, the pit stop had a, could have had a terrible pun. Alan Wu would have been all over this. Where, Because uh, when the when Brooke opened up the clue, she tried to really uh, Koreanify uh, the pit stop name by saying, like, Gavit Sum. But then Bill says that the name is actually uh, uh, gave it some. And then if it was Alan Wu, I think he would have said that teams would have will have to give it, will have to give it their all to to find the gave it some pit stop. I'm looking forward to Amazing Race Age of Six. Seems though that's probably going to be the next season of Amazing Race that we're actually covering. Uh, we can do Amazing Race China. Just need to find need to get a. Need to get somebody to do subtitles for us. Yeah, start in English. <laughs> subtitles will do the trick. Hammeros is more likely, actually, but... Oh, Tara dropped an F-bomb, too, while playing a Street Fighter task. Um, and then Joey, uh, referring to the to the kid playing as an egotistical bastard. <laughs> Ego, egocentric bastard. Comes down to a teenager. I get why Joey was frustrated, because he couldn't have done anything, whereas Tara was just being a little bit preachy. <laughs> and then Joey keeps going on with the trash talk. Oh, what a nice guy. <laughs> you know, beating on, beating on a mom. And then uh, what they should have done is cut in the infamous quote from the Street Fighter animated series with M. Bison saying, I killed my father too, but you don't see me whining about it. <laughs> it would have been the perfect time for that quote, but they didn't do it. Uh, so next time, teams. Wait, 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 wait! We gotta, we gotta serenade uh, Matt and Redmond's. We can serenade Matt and Redmond uh, after the next time, but okay. So next time, teams head to the final city of Chicago, and there's cars, the Cubs, Joey insulting the locals, and Scott making Brooke get excited. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, Scott and Brooke on the way to the pit stop was pretty hilarious. Um, I'd say it'll jinx it. Yeah, we we might win this leg. I, I'm really I'm very positive, Scott, but I, I believe in the jinx. 
I believe in the jinx. And an ice beam is used. <laughs> it's not very effective. Yeah. Or uh, when Matt was close to uh, beating his opponent, and he's asking the guy who's helping him, saying, oh, do you have any do you have any tips, any advice? And then the pro jumps in saying, no tips, no tips, no advice. He's good. He's good. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. You cannot shame me in front of my fans. Everyone will be tweeting about this when the match ends. <laughs> I don't particularly enjoy the pre-final three clips of, oh, this is why we're going to win. But I did appreciate the editors throwing a little shade towards uh, Tara and Joey when uh, they say, we never fight or bicker, and then it cuts to them literally fighting and literally bickering. Uh, is this my Tara? <laughs> we want door to door here. It just amused me. <laughs> or, or just the the 180 that Tara did from the start of the task to the end of it, where she started out saying, oh, this is the video game. This is, oh, we get to play a video game? This is going to be fun. And then by the end of the task, she says, it's going to come down to a freaking video game. I hate games. I'm too busy playing against the bad guys in real life. <laughs> just that whole 180 of, oh, man, that'll be the first and last video game she plays. I'm curious, I'm curious though, she said she hadn't played a video game in what, 25 years, she said? She said it was when she was, thir- uh, 25 years, so that would have been when she was 13, I think. Um, so, my question is, what was the last video game she played? Because 25 years ago, that would have been 1992, which would have been one year after Street Fighter 2 came out, about three years after Fighting Street or uh, Street Fighter 2010 for the NES, so... I'm curious, in 92, it would have been some sort of Super Nintendo game. Maybe like Super Mario World at somebody's house. Maybe some military game. Maybe that's how she got into the military. Was Maybe it was like Metal, Metal, the original Metal Gear game. And something that was wonderfully brought up on Reddit that I'm going to bust the shit out of now. Um, apparently, London and Logan will set a record if they come in second next week as the first team in Amazing Race history to never come first or last in any leg. But that's happened internationally. But that has happened four times internationally and once in the US. At least. Once in the US? Who was that? Jamie and Cara. They won the Beijing leg with the motorcycles. Yeah, that's not a leg. I count it as a leg. With Jamie and Cara, it does come down to whether you count it as a double length leg, as I do, or whether you count it as two separate legs. But the other four are all 100% true, because I looked them up before this podcast. Who are? Actually, no, no, no. Let me, guess. Let there me are, guess. There are two from Asia, so I'll be proud of you if you get both of them. Okay, two from Asia. One of them... Uh, was it from the last season of Amazing Race Asia? No, because that was Chloe and Yvonne, wasn't it? Who won the second leg. Yeah. Some of those, I was going to say Eric and Rona, but I'm like, no, they won that uh, leg when Louise and Treasury got eliminated, right? Yeah, and also third in the final leg is counted as the last place. Right, right, right. Okay. So, let's see... Amazing Race Asia 4, there was, well, Hussein and Natasha quit, so it can't be them. Well, they were um, third anyway. Richards won. Second place team was Michelle and Claire. Michelle and Claire? Yep, they are one of them. They never came first or last. Yeah, because Jess and Lottie won three legs in a row at one point, so that doesn't make much room when I know Richards won a few legs as well. Season 3, Ida and Tanya, well, they were, uh, they got lost a couple of times, so that doesn't count. Um, then you have, well, here's the season three, unfortunately, Sam and Vince, Jeff and, no, 
Jeff and Tisha won at least one leg, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. So season two would have had Adrian Collin, Mark and Rubens. Oh yeah, Mark and Rubielson came in third. <laughs> um, so yeah, all those three won at least one leg anyway. Mason Race Asia won, you would have Oh. Um uh, not Sandy and Jeremy. The others Sandy and Francesca. No. Andrew and Shion? Sandy and Francesca won three legs and came in last on the first leg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the worst example. <laughs> so Actually, shit, shit, there is only one in Asia. I was wrong. Yeah. Pamela and Vanessa won the first leg. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah. I proved, proved you wrong, Michael. You did, well done. Oh. Fact-checking me. There's still three. <laughs> when what, what are the other three from? Uh, there's, well, there's Claire and Michelle, and then there's Simon and Catherine from one of the China Rush seasons. And then one of the Vietnamese teams did it as well. Okay. So at least I got the one right. I knew exactly which one it was. I'm proud of you. You kind of tricked me with adding the extra fake option there. <laughs> I did. I, I was wrong, and I'll commit uh, Sudoku. But... <laughs> commit Sudoku, yes. And I suppose the other thing that I should sort of bring up is dating the podcast slightly. The whole Manchester terror attack on Monday. I sort of don't want to bring the podcast down, but it is it's sort of something that we have to acknowledge happened this week, sadly. Yeah, that's Yeah, that really sucks. That was there that was at the end of the Ariana Grande concert day when somebody detonated the bomb. Yeah. As it happens, Logan and I actually I think we did go through Victoria Station at, at one point. Um in fact we yeah, did because we, we went on the, the tram, didn't we? Um we went through Victoria Station, which is under the arena. And the way that Victoria is set up is that there's a sort of walkway above Victoria, which is leads onto the arena, and through those doors is where the bloke in the box office set off the bomb. So we actually didn't get into the arena, it was as people were leaving after the encore of the Ariana Grande gig, from what I've heard. My god. Yeah, because we passed by the arena, walked by the arena, right? And, you, and you, well, you you were right near it. Yeah, I, th- I think we walked actually through the arena, or, or through the the station underneath the arena. Um, mm-hmm. I work probably half a mile away from the arena. It's it's my main route into work is going through Victoria Station. Um, in fact, it's still where I park my car now. The station's been closed for a little while, and it's really nice to see the whole of Manchester coming together to sort of remember the people who who we lost. Mm-hmm. But it's just sad that this sort of thing happens. I mean, I was at the, the minute silence on Thursday for, for the victims. We There was also the vigil at the town hall, which is sort of five minutes walk at most from my work. It's just, it's just sad that this sort of thing still happens. But they picked the wrong city to mess with, is the honest answer. Yeah. Because Manchester doesn't cower. No, and I I feel like as a resident of Greater Manchester and someone with a great affinity to the the city of Manchester, and as probably the only person who will talk about this on an Amazing Race podcast, as the person who can speak about it best, um, it, it's just nice to sort of bring it up, even if it's not the nicest situation. Yeah, sorry to end it on the bad note. Let's eulogise uh, Matt and Redmond. <laughs> Matt and Redmond, in the words of M. Bison, game. Um, their life in this game is, is uh, their, their life in this game is over as much as uh, Raul Julia at the end of Street Fighter. Um, 
Yeah, Matt said it somewhat came alive in the last couple of episodes. We got to know him a bit more. They both. Uh, this is the third round in a row where somebody went from first place to last place, I should point out. I believe it's three rounds in a row because it went... Uh, yes, because it was Tarin, 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 Tarin Joey, then back Beck and Floyd, Floyd and Matt Redmond. Hopefully the same does not happen to Brooke and Scott next week and they can break the streak, but shows you that the teams were fairly even for the most part this season. Except for London and Logan, who... Uh, have uh, yet to win a leg, and their average is still hovering around five or so. It is dead on five. Yeah. And they are quite low in terms of the top three list. I'd imagine so, because they were doing, like, I guess those stri- that string of uh, fifth-place finishes uh, helped them uh, mid-season, but... Uh... As it currently stands, they are uh, 205th out of 210 for top three Oh, teams. really? Yeah. Oh, they- they don't seem like they're performing. It shows you that it can still do that much worse because uh, they would have been even lower if there wasn't for that uh, equalizer in the second Tanzania leg. If they were to win next week, they would take the title as the worst performing winners in Amazing Race history. Really? Yeah. Even worse than, uh, was it, Josh and Brent at 4.83? Josh and Brent are the, the current US leaders at 4.58. Uh, Daniel and Cesar from Latino America 4 have the overall title with 4.75 though. 4.75, that's really tough to do. Sherry and Cole were really close to it, I know. <laughs> Sherry and Cole currently have the worst average of all time uh, with 5.58. But, yeah. Um, yeah, if London and Logan were to win, then they would be the worst performing winners of all time. If they get second on this final leg, just even if they finish in the top two, it's got to be like just a you can't get much worse than uh, that or for never or for a team that hasn't finished last. That's going to pretty much be the worst average you can get. Yeah, because Sherry and Cole had two non-eliminations, didn't they? Yeah. Or keep on racing in an NEL. But yeah, it, it's quite impressive. I'm going to miss Matt and Redmond. As much as they were sort of the alpha dogs of the season, they were, Redmond especially, is a lot of fun. And I'm sort of jealous that you get to meet him next week. Yeah. <laughs> Because, because he has been very good to us, as have a lot of the people in this cast, and I'm I'm genuinely sad that next week is going to be our final podcast of the season. Mm-hmm. But we get season 30. Should we briefly, because we haven't talked about that, have we? No, we sort of glossed over the fact that season 30 is coming for mid-season next year. Probably around this exact same time, I would imagine, eh? Yeah, I, I would assume it will be sort of late March, early April next year. Because they're just they're just starting to pitch the season to producers now. I'm not. It's because because it was really close to cancellation for this season. So I don't know if they're going to interpret it as the stranger twist succeeded. Therefore, this is how the Amazing Race will work from now on, or if the ratings were just lower than what they were expecting, but barely survived, so they'll go in the exact opposite direction. Now there's a lot of a lot of suggestions for it to be past players teaming up with new people. I have no idea where in the hell we're going to be for uh, next season. I assume from that interview with um, with Birchman, at least, that there's going to be some sort of twist. There has to be some sort of twist. To, because they wouldn't really be pitching it to, to CBS that much if, uh, if there wasn't going to be some sort of twist of some description. Do you, what, do you, what do you think this twist is going to be? 
I think if they're gonna go go all stars, it probably will be twenty two individual all stars teaming up. Or I hope it's not all stars. As much as I quite like a lot of the people from the past four five seasons, I don't particularly want to see people coming back because I can't trust production to do it properly anymore. That's a good point about it being 22 individual past players because if there's a team where they're like, well, this one guy was a great character but not the other person in the team, now they can just pick the absolute 22 best characters in the show's history and try to make them work together. Like, what if you had a season where you had just Myrna gets picked and then gets and then through just how it works out, she has to team up with Colin for the season. Like, that's the thing. Of, I bet you that's what went through production's mind. Like, just trying to figure out all the possibilities of who would, uh, if, especially if it's a lot of teams that had conflict in the past. Like, were they going to be able to work together? Just Because to, if you think that some of those dating couples were explosive before, just think if you have the most, big, the biggest personalities possible being forced to team up. I think that if they do go down the uh, 22 individuals route again, I'm not as opposed to it purely because it does ensure that we don't get terrible characters. And, but the, however, here's the thinking though, when season 29 was previously announced and with how low the ratings were, everyone was saying, oh, it has to be an all-star season because the show is about to end. We need an all-star season now. That was even the thinking when uh, I was at the finale party last year where everyone was speculating, well, season 29 already filmed by that point, but everyone was like, uh, everyone was saying, well, who are they going to bring back for season 30? Uh, and and just they're just so heavy under the assumption that season 30 has to bring back uh, uh, previous players. But, if they, but when uh, season 29 was announced before that, People were thinking, oh, that could be the last season. We need all-stars now. We need super-duper all-stars, legends, whatever the hell you want to call it. But then I was thinking, well, we don't really... I don't think we really need that, do we? And then, of course, we have a 22-person season with all new people. And now it's like, you know what? Especially with the mindset of this season potentially being the last while we were watching it all the way up until two weeks ago. I was thinking, you know what? If this is the last season... What a great note for this to end it on. And now, even with Survivor, I'm thinking, you know what? You don't need you don't need past players to have this grand conclusion to a series. Just end with a strong season. Like, what if what if season 24 was so bad in ratings that that was the end of the Amazing Race? Do you know how sour that would have been if Fake All-Stars was the last season we got? It would have been awful. It would have tarnished the series' reputation forever. So... All I want is just a strong season. Honestly, I think it's probably going to be all-star individuals. Because I I think that's probably what production would go for. Especially with it still being sort of up in the air about whether there will be season 31. They might think, we'll gamble on it being an all-stars and just hope we cast it well enough for people to enjoy it. However, I will say, if it is an all-stars we will hold it to a much higher standard. It can't be as lazy as Fake All-Stars was in terms of what they did and where they went. If anyone from production is listening, if you try any of the bullshit you tried for 24, we will murder you on this podcast. It will be awful for you. (laughs) 
on this podcast, I'm glad you added that in, Michael. I was a bit scared for a second. Yes, it will be awful listening for anyone in production if you are lazy on another All-Star season. Because I still don't have the confidence that you're able to pull it off properly. Not since real All-Stars were season 11. No. All-Star seasons generally do not end up well. And we all had high hopes for Survivor Game Changers, mainly because of Sandra, because Sandra's awesome. And everyone just screwed it up and made it so boring that I've actually not watched any episodes since Sandra's last domination for the first time in Survivor history. Sounds like me during Redemption Island. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, just, I just cannot be bothered with it right now. And, uh, however, I think if it's 22 past individuals, it's going to really suck because that drastically increases the odds of a fourth-time racer coming back if it's just like one four-time racer that they mix in rather than a whole team. I'm not sure they will, but also I think that if it's 22 individuals, the chances of us getting a more old-school racer coming back is more likely as well, which is kind of why I'm plumping for it. Yes, I think they will bring back people from the first 10 seasons. Even if you expand it to the first 13 seasons, I want at least half the people from the first 13 seasons. Yeah. And if if Jet or Accord come back, my god, that's just gonna that that that'll tank all stars right there. That that would just don't do that. Do do not. I repeat, do not, do not bring back Jet or Corey. If they were gonna do that, I think they wouldn't bring back a complete team either, because obviously, if Jet or Cord got first on on the start line task, they would obviously pick their brother. <laughs> so they would have to stop that happening. But yeah. I think that we are probably going to see a, a season that is All-Stars paired up with each other. And can you think of any special theme that would be with all new people? Other than like the previous side. There's that one article I read. So there was an, there's been a couple of interviews and podcasts. I guess I interviewed Bertram and Elise. And there was this one interviewer who was just pressing and pressing for past players mixed with new people. Maybe a fans versus favourites, but you'd have to ensure that it was 11 favourites versus ele- oh, with 11 fans. Maybe they could do the normal people season that casual fans so dearly adore. Maybe they could do the old person season that casual fans so dearly adore. Millennials versus Generation X. Sod off. They could do a team of heroes versus a team of hustlers versus a team... <laughs> I can't even get through it. <laughs> a team of healers. Maybe where the Hustlers team average age is less than 25. <laughs> Actual genuine. There is one person on um, on the Hustlers tribe who is over the age of 25, apparently. My god, their average age is less than 25? I'm 20, I'm 25. <laughs> I wasn't joking about this. The average age of the Hustlers tribe on the next season of Survivor is less than 25, I think. I think it's 24.8. Wow. Hustlers don't last long. Live fast, die young. Yes, the hustlers don't don't uh, don't live long, but the cautious do not live at all. So, is there anything else to say about Martin Redmond? Since we sort of veered wildly off topic. Um, no, I I think I've been in all my leg buttons. I mean, Logan's going to meet both of them next week and uh, have an amazing time. Uh, yeah, I guess this is kind of the last podcast of the season for me. Yeah, next time you hear Logan's voice, it will be podcast number 200. This is your last appearance in the hundreds. My god. 
And, to top it all off, the next podcast we do together will be number 140 for us. Oh. Semi-milestone. Yeah. And the next podcast Michelle does with me will be number 40. She's getting there. <laughs> so who do we think is going to win? I, I know the answer, but who do we think is going to win? Brooke and Scott are going to win. I think... Uh... London and Logan second. Yeah, I guess London Logan could get the full-on Jeremy and Sandy treatment, and maybe they have it initially, but then squander it somehow and get second, and then Tara and Joey get third. I feel like their storyline is somewhat over with that whole rivalry with the other teams, because it wasn't really mentioned except for Matt and Redmond at the very start of this leg. And also on the subject of Jeremy and Sandy, did you hear that Ernie and Cindy are back next week? Yes, maybe that's what cursed London and Logan in the first place, is that a team from Amazing Race 19 was in the audience for the one of the final tasks and just laid a curse upon uh, London and Logan to carry the torch. So, thank you very much for listening to this URT Number podcast. You can join Michelle and I next weekend to recap the finale. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, RTV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Log Super Quacky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out, and chill, till the next episode. That is rude.